Hi, listeners. Sarah here. Wanted to take a moment before we hop into our conversation with Bob Seeger. We realized after the fact that there was some challenges with audio that we didn't pick up on while we were recording. We have done our best to clean it up, but you might notice a little bit of popping. But please do not let that stop you from listening to this conversation. We think it is absolutely one worth hearing. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Conversations on Conversations, where each week we explore a topic to help us have more powerful conversations with ourselves and with others. I'm your host, Sarah Noel Wilson, and joining me today is my internet friend from LinkedIn, (laughs) Bob Robert Seeger. And we're going to be exploring various aspects of leadership, people first leadership. This has obviously been a very consistent theme on the show, and I think it's always important for us to explore that further. So a little bit about Bob before we bring him on. He is the CIO and Director of Technology for Premier Products Incorporated. He has been in tech industry since Amazon, I like this part of your bio, since Amazon was still in a garage and the internet was new. He has spent the last 25 plus years leveraging technology to create solutions that meets the needs of business while implementing what he calls his not-so-secret approach a people-first approach, focusing on kindness, understanding, and active listening. Welcome to the show, Bob. Thank you, Sarah. Nice to see you again. It's, it's nice. It's been it's been a minute since we've been in yeah, conversation. It has been. it has been. Yeah, you were on my show originally. Yeah, so. <laughs> I was trying to think of when that when that was. Was that last year or two years ago? It was uh, about a year or two ago. Yeah. Well, it was when did your book come out? Last year. Yeah, it right, would have so been last was, year. Yeah, we did it for your book, which is an amazing book, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, he I was give going... it out to a lot of people. I appreciate that. Bob, what else do you think, what, what else do you want us to know about you? Ah, wow. So it's, it's been more than 25 years in my career so far. I guess I got to change that. <laughs> I'm going on 30 years now. I'm an old man at this point in my life. I'm a grandfather now. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Since last time we talked. So, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank I think you. the Another- baby was just coming. Yes, that was uh, our first grandchild, Branson. Yeah. Um, and the second one will be here Actually, I'm sorry, you should check that. The third grandchild will be here in October, nice. granddaughter. Yeah, nice. So I'm going to have two granddaughters by October. So that's kind of cool, too. How, how has being a grandparent changed you or how is it different than what you thought? It, you know, because my kids are all uh, remote, right? The, so I've got some on the East Coast out in Carolina. And then I got an, uh, uh, my middle son and his, his wife are in um, Mississippi. Mm. Um, and then my daughter and her husband are living in the city in Chicago, but, uh, his daughter actually is from Brazil, lives in Brazil and is actually relocating to Portugal. So they're spread out everywhere. So, um, it really has only changed the way that we communicate with them. Right. So, you know, we, we do a lot of video chats. Yeah. Especially for the little ones so they can remember us. Yeah. When we yeah. Go out and visit. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of fun. No, that's awesome. What so one of the things, you know, one of the things that I'm excited to explore with you today is is what you've learned, your lessons along the way um uh, from a standpoint of leading with this people first mentality. Mm-hmm. But but take us back because you've been you've been not only in the workforce but technology for, right, 30 years as you just yep. said yep. and um and I can only imagine you've seen a ton of evolution in that time, right? And when you started, well, and let's be real, it's still like command and control is still a very, 
you know, hierarchical type of leadership yes. is still very much the norm, I think. Amazingly still. so. Yeah. Amazingly, Amazingly so, so, right? Yeah. And so I'm curious to know what what was your journey in this? Was this, you know, was this always a part of who you were and your value? Um, because one of the things that I know in working with people who've been around for a while was you learned a certain way of leadership. Mm-hmm. And then we're like, I don't know that this is how I actually want to show up. So so take us back and what what's your journey been to this point? of of really honoring the humans that you work with yeah that you know that that's a great way of putting it because early on in my career um you know i was taught to be the command and control type mm-hmm. of leader i mean that's that's the way i grew up um in business and started growing up in technology right uh before technology was even a thing the way it is now i mean if you ask me about ai as an example 30 years ago I would say it's just something that Isaac Asimov wrote about, right? Right. That, you know, or it was a Terminator movie. Right. <laughs> you know, right. Cyberdyne. <laughs> you know, and now look at today, it's it just it's just growing in leaps and bounds. It's, it's really amazing. And that in itself changes the way that you lead, too. Mm. You have to start thinking about that. Mm. So early on in my career, I was very much command and control. But early on in my career, I was also a volleyball coach, right? And, and coaching uh, young folks. And uh, when you're coaching, you can't operate in a command and control mm. uh, arena, right? Because you, you can't. I mean, you ever ever try and control a 13, 14, 15, 16, whatever, you know, young teenager, when you, when you want to do things, you, you have to kind of incent them to go along and you have to work with them. And I, I think that's really what taught me how to be a better, more effective mm. leader is that coaching, things that I learned from coaching. And it, it wasn't until probably like, my fifth year or so in tech where I, I really learned that, you know, uh, being a people first type of leader was going to work better for me um, in implementing successfully yeah. right, and making sure projects go successfully and, and being able to understand how technology fits within an organization. Right. Uh, early on in my career, it was all about what we, meaning the leaders in tech, meaning the guys that were actually implementing the technology, felt like was going to work for the business rather than the business driving the technology, right? Sure. So, you know, now if you go to my LinkedIn profile as an example, I have a little equation in my in, in my banner. It's people plus process over technology because when you understand the people and the process, only then can you implement a technology that's going to fit within that organization. And um, I'll tell you the reason I the reason I learned that was through my first failed ERP project, mm-hmm. right? Be, because it, it and it failed because as a technology group, we implemented something that we thought was going to work for them without ever getting the feedback from the business on what they needed. Sure, sure. You know, very very distinct different uh, uh, very distinct different ways of doing things, and it surprises me today that even within um, even within uh, a lot of companies, it's still technology kind of driving what people are or what the business is going to use. And those are always doomed to failure. Yeah. Yeah. Did you run into any pushback when you were on this evolution and rethinking how you wanted to show up and being more collaborative and making sure that you were hearing the voice of people that maybe you weren't asking for previously. Did you, yeah, did you experience any kind of pushback? And part of the reason I ask is I, I have even in current day, 
uh, right? I, I, mm-hmm. I, I've seen where there are people in leadership positions who are trying to do it differently. And there's been some consequences, yeah. right? And so I'm curious to know what that experience has been like for you. Oh, yeah. Um, I think the first time that I really tried to push, I'm not going to name the name of the company. Yeah, the no. first time, The first time that I really tried to push that people first mentality uh, went in, was very much, very opposite of what the C, the CTO that I was reporting to uh, wanted to do things. She wanted to push things. She wanted just to push things through. Hey, I'm the tech person. I know what needs to be done here. These guys have no idea what they need. And I kind of pushed against that. And I was working with the business units, trying to gather their information. And, and, and in doing so, it kind of went against what the CTO wanted to push, the application mm-hmm. that she that she wanted to push. And I ended up losing my job because of that, mm-hmm. because it was just too much pushback. Now, the people that I was working with loved it and, and thought it was a great way to do things. Nah, she didn't. And, and so I lost my job. That, that was the first time that I actually mm-hmm. lost the job that I didn't leave. Um, but it was a wake up call for me. It, it, you know, I knew the success that I was getting in these communications, right. With these different groups and individuals, I knew that was the way to go. So then when I moved on to my next organization, I made sure that the culture was sort of aligned in the same way that I was thinking as well too. Now, maybe it wasn't perfectly aligned. Maybe there was some change that needed to be done and that's okay. I like doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I like being able to help change a culture and get it going in the right direction. Um, so yeah, that was the, that was kind of the, the consequence of doing it. And, but, but again, if you believe in it, if you know it works and if you're operating from what's in your heart, right. Um, and, and you have a heart for the people that you're serving, mm-hmm. you got to let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. Right. Cause change doesn't happen when you just keep doing things the same way. Right. 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 Uh, you keep driving things through because those projects are doomed to fail. It's such a it's it's such an unfortunate reality. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that, y- you know, that's there's there can be a risk. And to your point, I mean, staying aligned with your values and what you know to be true um, can give you that courage to be able to to step in and step step out. And it seems so it's, it seems so like just take care of your people and include people and invite more people at the table. Seems like, you know, so obvious of, of you know, a good, not even just good leadership, but good relationships and good right. culture. Um, and again, just still, still is something that, you know, organizations are figuring out how to do. Yeah. Well, I think what happens too is, is a lot of organizations don't even realize mm. some of the hidden talent they have within that organization. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, I'll give you an example with, in the current organization I am right now, um, there was uh, there's a young woman who um, has kind of been relegated to kind of a back room. Um, she's a little social, socially awkward, um, has you know difficulties looking someone in the eye, and and, and not be, just because it just makes her uncomfortable. She's yeah, a bit she of might a, be neurodivergent, a, right? Yeah, and yeah, maybe, and, and a bit of an introvert, mm-hmm. right? But she's a very talented project manager. Doesn't even realize that she is. Um, and I recognize that in, in, in a kind of bringing her along. And I think that's what happens in most organizations. They they kind of get within their organizational blinders, right? Yeah. And you're driving forward and you got to have, I mean, business has to move on, right? Yeah. You, you have to get things done every day. And when you have those blinders on, when you're just, just driving, driving, driving forward, that's where you tend to uh, sort of leave people in the dust. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and they go unnoticed. And I think 
when you sit down and you take the time to have conversations, when you take the time to notice some of the work that they're doing or even some of the work that they're curious about, you know, you can, you can find some really hidden gems, gems within any organization, and then you can bring that forward and start sort of polishing that gem up so it becomes a diamond. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think that, you know, those blinders, uh, we tend to promote people who are like us. We tend to reinforce people <laughs> like us. There's a reason that people in leadership largely look the same. And, yeah. you know, and so how do we... Um, open that up because I mean, we also know the more diverse your team is, the more, the better the ideas are going to be because you're going to have very different perspectives. How do you, how do you navigate, you know, um, and check in with yourself of your own, your own in-group, out-group, right? Your own blind spots. Um, how do you stay connected to that? Because that, you know, naturally as humans, we do, we do have that similarity bias, right? We gravitate towards people who look like us, who have a lived experience yep. like us. And it's something that particularly as people who have authority, um, we have to be checking constantly. Mm -hmm. And so what does that look like for you? Because I mean, being a people for, because I, I'm going to well, let me ask that question. I'm trying to work on like focusing my, my <laughs> questions because I'll end up on like, here's eight tentacles. And you're yep. like, I don't know a question. So let me pause there. What, uh, yeah, what does that look like for you um, to make sure that you're checking those blind spots? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, so f for me, it's, it's, it's sort of diving in, mm -hmm. right? So for example, uh, the organization that I'm with today, uh, Premier Products, we're a manufacturer. Right. We make uh, custom seating for the RV and the transport mm. industry, as well as as well as HVAC units that get installed. Um, so we have a plant that is heavy, heavy with hands on type of people doing all the stitching and putting together the upholstery and all that good stuff. I spend time out there with them. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I want to learn what they're doing. I want to I want to know what their shortcuts they're doing. Right. Because maybe the tech that we, that they have right now isn't performing to what they need. Um, I think it's important. I don't need to become an expert, right? Yeah. I don't need to take their jobs for them, but I, I need to know what some of the challenges are. Where where are some of the roadblocks? Where are their successes, right? Yeah. And, and get to know them a little bit personally too. Yeah. Uh, because when you start to do that, when you start to build relationships with them, you start to learn where some of your gaps are inside yourself as well too, right? Because they teach you how to react. They teach mm -hmm. you how to understand Right. Mm -hmm. They help build your empathy uh, when you're out there with them. So you have to go out there with sort of an open heart and an open hand. So that's what I do. It, and it's, it's to be amongst everyone, you know, and, and try to get a hand in something and not be afraid to do things as well, too. When we moved into this new, big, beautiful plan a couple of weeks ago, um, I have two of my guys were afraid to go up on the scissor lift and go up 25 feet in the air to, to pull some, uh, uh, cat six cabling, uh, through the, uh, through the ceiling. And I said, okay, I'll do it. So I got up there because under rather than get upset that they were too afraid to go up there and they, they shouldn't have been because it's, you know, very safe scissor lift. Yeah. But you know, the brain, the brain exactly, is the brain. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I, you know, I have a heart for people and I didn't want to put them through that or even force them to do that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, trust me, I've been in organizations that would have said too bad. That's your job. You got to do it. Suck yeah. it up. And, yeah. um, I'm just not a big believer in that. Uh, so I, I like to do a lot of that. I like to to to, to be there with them, to to understand them, to understand the folks at, at every level. Um, and I do a lot of journaling. Mm. <laughs> it helps 
get you that introspective, right? When you journal, because mm-hmm. you just kind of, and, and I don't journal with questions. I just sort of do a vomit of <laughs> thoughts and words of what's going on in my day. Uh, I do it twice a day in the morning, right? So I can help set my goals. Yeah. And then uh, at the end of the day or in the evening before I head to bed, so I take a review of what's going on. And I talk about within that journal, I talk about negative things as well, too, because yeah. uh, I think that all helps you kind of grow. So it, that, you know, in, in trying to discover where my blind spots are and, and, in, and to grow, I think that's the two things that I do the most is that, you know, I, I make sure I'm communicating all the time and building relationships um, and then journaling. I'm a big fan of journaling. I, I really I love hearing that. And I love hearing that from you. Um, <laughs> Hope it's not surprising. <laughs> It, it it okay it's not because of how i know you and it is because it's unique i mean i'll just speak really like candidly right like i work with a lot of um you know mid career or later career white men in power i'm i'm just going to say it right yeah. i mean and and that isn't you're the f- first for me so, so knowing you, I'm not surprised like that, that actually aligns with what I know about you, but I'm having this moment of how, how would I feel if you were my CIO or boss and knowing that you took that kind of time for self-reflection mm-hmm. would feel really significant as your team member. And, and what I really appreciate about one, you've, you've given two really specific practices people can do. Um, you know, that first one is getting out with the people. I cannot tell you how many times, and I know you've seen it in your world, where I'll hear from team members who will say, oh, my CEO won't even say hi to me in the hallways. Right. And, and I get it. Um, things are busy, right? We're, we're in meetings. Mm-hmm. We're in, right? Like we get heads down. We're trying to get the work across. And there's so much value in slowing down a little bit. And, and, you know, I also, I wanted to go back to a couple of things you said just to, um, amplify them a bit. But, you know, there's such a, a practice of humility in, in your approach too of, I want to know what their shortcuts are. I want to know what their challenges are. Mm-hmm. Like, where are they already? Because fig- they're figuring out a different yeah. path. Oh, yeah. They're in it day in and day out. And, you know, and I, um, I'm, I'm reminded, I'm reminded of a, um, a conversation I just had recently uh, in a, a, a company I was working with. And, and one of the team members was, they just said, I, I wish, I wish senior leadership would come to our stores more. I wish they would be more involved. And it was a really interesting moment in dynamic um, because I think that there is definitely uh, a number of leaders who are like, we need to kind of take that to heart or get curious about it. And then there is some defensiveness of like, but we can't expect us. And we grew up in the system. And and I understand yeah. where that protection comes from. I get mm-hmm. that. And and so I love the I love, you know, for people who are listening, going, what does this look like and how do I do it? You've given this beautiful gift. But then that um practice of journaling and uh you know, at the end of the day, self-awareness is so important and it's not a destination. Mm-hmm. It's not something we just come to. How long have you been, how long have you been doing the practice of journaling? What got you yeah, into not, it? Well, so a couple things. 
Um, when I say get out there with the folks, um, I, I want everybody to know that, you know, I don't have intimate relationships with them, right? Um, they're, they're cordial, they're friendly, they're, but they're very surface oriented, right? Sure. I mean, there's just with 150 people out in the plant, there's no way I can get to know them deeply, but they all know me by name. They all, we all get smiles. We all get pats on the back. We all share, uh, you know, we'll, we'll share breaks together. We'll share yeah. lunches together and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, I, I don't want it to seem like that. I'm this big, you know, <laughs> knowing everybody kind of guy. I'm not. Right. But it, but at least we have connection. Yeah. Mm. You know, I, I think at the very least, that's what you need to do to be successful is at least make a connection. Um, so I just wanted to make sure that w- that was clear because, uh, you know, there are times where it takes me a second to remember the name of the person that I'm sure. speaking to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but I will. I yeah. will at some point. And, and, you know, I, and I know very, high level things, you know, yeah. kids are in school, soccer is next week, things like that. I try to remember that. Um, so that being said, uh, as far as journaling is concerned, I've only been doing that practice now for about, I want to say maybe 10 years, not mm-hmm. very long, not mm-hmm. very long. I mean, just a decade. <laughs> well, <laughs> in the scheme of things, sure. when you're talking about a 30 year career, Right. Yeah. I, I, that means I've only been doing it for a third of my career. So yeah. I missed out yeah. two thirds of my career to be improving and gaining that self awareness along the way. And um, I'll, 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 one thing I'll say is I've been on LinkedIn forever since it first came through. And it was through a connection on LinkedIn that gave me my first journal that I started doing mm. journaling and, and getting more into it. So it's, it's how you and I met. It's mm-hmm. how I got your your amazing book. Um, and, and I've actually given that book to a few people I as that you keep plugging it. Thank you. Oh, I do. Yeah, because <laughs> it's great. It, it, it's an, it's an amazing book. Um, I give journals to my team teams for Christmas every Love year. That. And, um, cause I think it, I think it's that important. Yeah. Um, and, uh, not to get too far from the business topic, yeah. but, um, back talking in the about day, humans. let's do it. Yeah. Back in the day I, I was born and raised a Catholic. Mm. And kind of fell out of going out of church. And, and my wife is very, um, uh, not religious, but very faithful. And she dragged me to a just a, a non-denominational Christian church. And I kind of fell into that 10 years ago, too. Mm. And that sort of has helped me in my journey because it's it was completely different. You know, gone are all the rules that you follow. And, and it's more people-focused. And that's yeah. kind of helped me along my way as well, too. Yeah. It's that, you know, we get so busy. I mean, I hate to use that word, but it's the word. And, and, you know, the, the, we, we often, we often talk about that. How do we close the gap between our good intentions and the actual impact? And part of that is the, the self-awareness to slow down and reflect and, and being willing and open to feedback and seeking it out. And, and that, that practice of, really reflecting and going what went well today and mm-hmm. where did I miss the mark and where do I want to do differently yesterday I really I mean I applaud you because I think it could be really easy particularly someone with your career and in your position and your responsibilities to be like no I don't have time for it so I just it's it's so refreshing for me to hear um how important that is for you well, to prioritize that yeah I, I think the whole I'm too busy, right? Or I've got too much going on, um, is a crutch. Yeah. Right. I, I think it's, it's, it's a fallacy. Um, there is always time. You could always make mm. time. I don't care how much you have to do. 
within your day, you can always make time. I have a strict, very strict policy that if I'm not done with what I need to do by 6 p.m., 6.30 sometimes, um, that's, that's the latest I'll give myself, it's getting tabled. It goes into yeah. a nice stack on my desk. I'm getting to it in the morning again. Now, I'm an early riser. I get, I get started very early, you know, which, is, which is fine. I'm up by 4.30, and I'm, I'm generally at my desk by 6 o'clock, and then I start organizing my day and getting through the day. But it what, by doing that, it allows me the time that I need to either reconnect with my family at mm-hmm. night, right? Have time to, to do a video call with friends and family and neighbors and all that good stuff because now I set work aside. I mm-hmm. leave work at work. I don't take it home anymore, and I used to take it home. Um, and then during the day, it's kind of forced me to schedule things out, block things out and make sure that I'm intentional about getting time to step out and, and meet with the folks and, and understand what's, what's going on. And I, I think unless you have that intentionality and doing what you're supposed to do during the day, you're always going to be too busy because let's face it, things happen. Things get tossed onto your desk every time. But unless you're a heart surgeon or a brain surgeon, right, or in the medical practice, you know, most of what we do in our careers, nobody's going to die because we didn't get to that particular (laughs) item within the next hour, right? Right. (laughs) It can be put aside. So I I think it was when I first got intentional, that's one of the things that helped me because I used to be that guy. I was Mm. always so busy. I was always coming home stressed out, bringing stuff with me. This has to get done now. This has to get done now. This blah, 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 blah. And um, it takes years off your life. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it really does. And uh, it wasn't until I kind of drew that line and said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. And and there, uh, and don't get me wrong, there are days where I could probably work till 8, 9 o'clock at night. And I yeah. have to force myself not to. Because once you start doing it, once you go down that rabbit hole, it's hard to get out. It's it's a real slippery slope yeah. of like, well, I mean, I worked literally late last night and now yeah. how do I? Yeah, it's a uh, and and depending on the organization and sometimes that's the the measure of success is sort of like how high your stress level is. Yeah. You know, like I worked for an organization where it felt like everyone's badge of honor was how many oh, yeah. hours they worked and how late they were working. And oh, yeah, you were up till 10. Yeah, I was up until 11. And yep. it became this weird, so unhealthy, yeah, like, it is. so unhealthy. And you're I mean, Let's be real. We're not being flippant when we say it can take years off your life. Oh, yeah. It actually, it will. And, mm-hmm. you know, at some point your body will say. Enough's enough. Well, enough enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. that definitely happened to, to me for sure. Yeah. We'll be back with Bob Seeger in a moment. One of the things that I know you're really passionate about is is this idea and practice of servant leadership. And this is something that has come up in other conversations um, with other individuals on the show. And I'm curious, how do you define that? What does that look like for you yeah. as a leader? So it's it's operating in the sense of helping others, right? And bringing others along as leaders within any organization, no matter what department you're leading, your job is to bring the next person up mm. that's going to take your job, mm. right? You want to be building the next generation of servant leaders. Um, so you have to be leading by example, right? You, you've got to be helping them grow. You've got to be out there with them, understanding what they're going through and, and, and helping them along the way, being there to support them, right? Because let's face it, everybody's got something going on. You never know what's going on in another person's life at that moment. 
So that's why you always have to come from a, from a place of kindness and support and empathy mm-hmm. in bringing them along. Um, so I think for me, servant leadership is, is, is about support. It's about teaching. It, it's, it's about helping. It's about bringing along, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also recognizing that you're not the smartest person in the world, <laughs> right? You can't absolutely do anything. Like I like to say, I mean, my background, if anybody, it's, it's surprising. People always ask me about, you know, what's your college degree in? You know, yeah. Okay. I graduated in the 80s. So <laughs> my degree back then was probably in drinking. Um, <laughs> but I'm an English lit graduate, mm-hmm. right? In technology. I just happened to get really lucky and got into tech before tech was a popular thing to have. And I, I learned from the ground up, yeah. right? I got mentored along the way and I taught myself a lot of things. Um, so you need to recognize that in other people as well too, and give those people the same chance. I wouldn't be where I'm at right now if I didn't have some really fantastic mentors who, you know, God bless their souls are are gone now, but if they didn't help me along the way. So I, and and to me, those were, they were servant leaders too. And that's kind of what taught me to be that way. Yeah. One of the things, one of the things I was curious to get your thoughts about, we recently, I had the privilege of interviewing uh, Jen Fisher, she's the chief well-being officer at Deloitte. And so we were talking about well-being at work and how do we mm-hmm. rethink work and how work is really one of the biggest obstacles to mental and physical well-being yeah. for people. And one of the things she and I talked about is that sometimes this idea of servant leadership can actually turn into a trap for folks because they're giving and giving and giving. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to just hear your kind of like your response to that of how when somebody is in that place of wanting to give and wanting to take care, how how do we protect against burnout of that leader? Yeah. Now, right? So I'm curious to hear what your experience has been, maybe some lessons learned yeah. uh, along the way, or yeah. people that you're supporting and bringing along. How you've what you've observed in them? Yeah, I think it's I, I think it's important that you need to know what their capabilities are, and you need to know what their limits are, right? Um, so. Back in the day when I first kind of started out doing this, um, you know, I, I hired people that I had a heart for, but mm-hmm. weren't exactly a good fit for what I was asking them to do. So what I ended up is carrying them along the way for a while, and that got exhausting, and, yeah. and it caused burnout within myself in doing that. And I wasn't doing that person any favor, yeah, right, because they weren't coming along; they were being pulled pulled along, along. yeah, sure, right? which, which is a big difference. So I've taught myself and or I've discovered through the years that through interviewing and, and through hiring and bringing the right people onto the team, you know, where you surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, right? So that they're supporting, they're supporting you and you are supporting them in different ways. So I think that's, that's kind of the, 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 the critical lesson I've learned over the years is to do it that way, right? Surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, know their capabilities, understand their capabilities, and and give them tasks and, and get them involved in projects that are going to help them grow and, and raise things so that you're not pulling them along the way, you're helping them rise up on their own. Yeah, does, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it, <laughs> no, it definitely does. Because I think that, I think when you are someone who and it's clear that this is just part of who you were even if you were shaped differently earlier in your career mm-hmm. right like there is something i feel like that's just this is a core value of yours but when you are somebody who 
cares really deeply about people. When you do, um, uh, yeah, when you do see the potential and possibility, but maybe they're just where they're at is not, you know, one of the lessons that I learned early in my career was you can't care more for someone's development than they do. And that wasn't meant to be flippant or harsh, but that's what was happening to me was I was trying to pull people along Mm -hmm. who honestly just didn't want to be pulled. Mm -hmm. And they were okay with where they were Mm -hmm. at, or they were um, in a place where they didn't want what I wanted for them, right? And having to be okay of meeting them where they're at and um, having that. And also, you know, I go back to I go back to that practice, you said of of shutting down at six or six thirty and really setting that that clear d- d- line, you know, because I think that one of the things we're definitely we're seeing now, and I know research is starting to show it, and we've been having lots of conversations on this show, and I'm doing research as a team, is we are seeing a higher level of burnout in leaders. Mm-hmm. We are seeing a higher level of burnout in CEOs. And, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with just coming off of the pandemic and all the right. uncertainty and navigating that. The fact that the workforce is changing and the needs are changing and the workers' expectations are changing. And there's some people we're in conversation with that are like, I actually don't know that I can be the leader mm-hmm. that people need right now. I don't I don't know how to stretch in that very human way. That's mm-hmm. not what I know and I find it exhausting and I don't know how to do it. So when you look at where we are, not not just from where we are from a humanity, but also like let's talk technology because we are in this incredible it feels like an acceleration of a moment when it comes to technology, particularly with AI, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and when you think about where we're at, and when you think about where you think we are going to be going from an organizational perspective, what do you feel like the future of leadership needs to look like to balance all of that? Yeah, again, it's it's all going to go back to having conversations, right? Understanding the the people and the process first. Yeah. And and, and it's I believe that 10 years ago, I, I still believe that now. Um, when you have those types of conversations and you start to build that intimacy with with the people, it helps you gain intimacy with the process as well, mm. right? Mm. And then you can start seeing how you can use technology to either support that, augment it, or, or even help drive it to grow even further. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and, and you need to get that buy-in from the people that own the process, right? Yeah. So I've been doing, I've been having uh, mind mapping meetings with all the various groups out in the plant, right? I've got guys out there and, and women out there that have been with the organization for 20 plus years and they were never asked about mm. how they do things or why they do things, right? And here I have, I'm bringing them into a room with a whiteboard saying, okay, let's, let's draw this out. Let's figure this out. Let's see if we can identify where the gaps are. Um, and that's bringing them on. And that's going to yeah. help us implement the uh, ERP that we're trying to put in even better, yeah. right? Because now we're really understanding the process. We're really understanding the people behind it because they're going to ultimately use it, yeah. right? And make sure it works. I'm the last of the baby boomer, baby boomer, baby boomer, <laughs> 10 times generation, right? <laughs> so I was, I was, when I was brought up, it was all about you do as I say, don't do as I do. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my, my dad, my, my mom raised us that way. And, you know, we were, we were, we were not a carrot family. We were a stick family all the way. Mm. And I'll tell you that it was hard to break myself of that, Sure. you know, early on. Um, and, and 
now with even my own kids being adults and my grandkids starting to grow up a little bit now, you know, we are, we never pulled out the stick in, in 35 years with our kids, you know, yeah. it was always about understanding, being empathetic to where they're at, where they're growing. Now, of course we had boundaries, we had rules yeah. and even in business, right? You have to have boundaries and you have to have rules, but, but there are, there are ways to implement those boundaries and rules and there's ways to not. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. and and doing that with a stick rather than a carrot as the example is, is not a good way to do things. I mean, you pretty much talk about that in your book as well, too. Right. Um, you know, it's, there, there are better ways to do that type of thing. So I think everything is always going to boil down to relational conversations, mm-hmm. right. And empathetic ears. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can, if you can nail that down, right, you will be successful and you will not burn out. Yeah, I, 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 I promise you that. I mean, I've, I've been on the edge of burnout. I really have. Um, I think a lot of reasons why I have MS is because I, I burned myself out early on, hmm. you know, and, and, and so MS is the price of that, I think. Mm. Yeah. And, and I think one of the reasons why it's been so under control these last, you know, 10, 15 years is because I'm having more mindfulness and I'm, I'm mindfully practicing journaling, all that good stuff we talked about. I think that's helped control what was going on. Hmm. So anybody who's listening that's experiencing that type of burnout right now, I'm telling you right now, you need to take yourself back a step, take a deep breath and reevaluate the way that you are, uh, you are leading, right? Yeah. Reevaluate the way you are doing things and start setting some boundaries up. Yeah. I, I tell all my folks that they're on my team. Family always comes first. Hmm. Something's going on with your family. Don't worry about it. You don't have to. You don't even have to be concerned about talking to me about it. Just tell me it's my family, and I'll say, okay, see you later. Yeah, take off, go do it. Yeah, because um, it's that important. You have to. You have to separate that. I mean, we're only we spend. What's what's the uh, what's the statistic that we'll spend three quarters of our lives at work? Yeah, and only a quarter of our life with our family. Right. So we got to make the most of that family time. Yeah. Right. If you want to continue to grow emotionally and 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 have yourself, because what's going to happen when you retire? All you got is your family then. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and and so you better have that relationship pretty solid. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I I mean I obviously love everything that you're you're sharing and and wholeheartedly agree and and that that whole idea of relational conversations and excuse me empathetic listening and. And, and what's possible with that, not only from a reduction of stress, but an increase of innovation of getting the, you know, getting more people in the room. You mm-hmm. know, it's interesting to hear you talk about these are people who have been here 25 years and they had never been invited in that way. And, you know, made me think of a, a project I worked on where there was somebody in customer care who said, I, I thought it was a mistake that I was invited to this meeting. <laughs> yeah. And I said, well, why would that be? And he said, because no one has ever asked my opinion on something so important. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's sad. That really it, is. It sad. really is. I mean, it, that broke my heart mm-hmm. and, and also showed the value of it. And so, you know, I think some of the things that I'm hearing too is, uh, you know, uh, when we talk about people first, when we talk about creating workplaces for humans, we're not just talking about caring for them. It isn't mm-hmm. just this like generic feeling of like love and care for people. It's what are specific things we're doing so that they feel heard, so that mm-hmm. they feel valued, respected, you know, and as our friend Tara J. Frank, who we had on the show before and protected, you know, what are those things we're doing? And, and I, I so um, appreciate, you know, that perspective of if it's family, 
like don't even yeah I mean, that's what i always tell you know my colleagues i'm like we're not curing cancer folks yeah. literally yeah. nothing we're doing is more important than you your relational health at home your family mm -hmm. your friends that is always priority always yep. priority and you know and gosh and and then i think how do we change that stat how do we get it to be like i, I you know i'm just very pro like let's start rethinking the structure of work because mm -hmm. Gosh, that is problematic that yeah. we spend so much of our time, which is why I, for me, I'm so passionate about like, then let's make it as safe as possible, mm -hmm. you know, and in, engaging as possible. Well, I, I think, I, I think that trend is starting to change now, at yeah. least within the groups, the circles that I go with that are, you know, and in, in I, I see what the, I'm, I'm going to make myself seem like I'm an old man when I'm not, but um, with the younger generation, right? Yeah, is is starting to shape, yeah, right, in the, in the way we do things. And and let's face it, we've been forced with the pandemic. We've been forced to make some shifts in the way that we think work should be done. Yeah, right. Um, even though you're getting all kinds of headlines about how how uh, leaders are saying, come back to the office, mm -hmm. come back to the office. And they're trying to force people. Yeah. But when, when they try to force people, what happens? Yeah. They leave. Yeah. Right. Or they, you, or they, or they don't leave and it's even worse. And yeah. now they're disengaged and they're right. there, exactly. but they're bitter. Yeah. Now they're quiet quitting. Right? Yeah. 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 You know, so it's, it's forcing guys like me that were in the boomer generation to, to, to try and better understand the workforce and, and adapt to what they want to need. And I, I think it's the it's the leaders that are refusing to adapt, right? That's where you're you're getting those roadblocks. And that's yeah. why you have all these help wanted signs everywhere. And 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 that's why you've got groups that are quiet quitting. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? It's yeah. it's because their leaders aren't adapting. Their no. leaders are being not understanding. They're not being empathetic because Hey, how do we how do we get work done for three years being locked up behind uh, closed doors? How do we still get work done? We did. Yeah. I mean, in, in, unless you were in a business that was involved with travel and transportation, right? Everything else started to work. Still, we we mm -hmm. still kept going on. We still found ways ways to do things. So we have to accept that there are alternate ways of working that will it, maybe they may. You know, maybe they leave us with lots of real estate that's going unused and offices that are going unused. But is the productivity up? Yeah. Right. Are things getting done? Yeah. Are things still getting out the door? Yeah, they are. So yeah. why not? Then? Yeah. Why not I, adapt? I I I feel like, and this is something I I feel I feel I have this conversation maybe weekly of mm -hmm. we were given this gift to rethink work and to continue mm -hmm. to rethink it and. Uh, you know, and and I and I even think about how the role AI can play in reducing. I'm like, I'm not sure that that's going to, you know, we thought phones and other technology was yeah. going to give us all this free time, and it just made us more tethered and more. Mm -hmm. But it, you know, how do we use some of this to re re reset or rebalance or rethink um, what what work can look like? Because it it. I'm with you in that the people who are really holding steady to the before times, mm -hmm. they're they're struggling. Their team members yep. are struggling. The the cultures that we see in the companies we see where people are trying new things um, are thriving. Mm -hmm. And and you know that was actually that 
there is a generational shift, right? Every kind of generation has shifted the right. workforce in some way, right? Us millennials mm-hmm. got really called entitled, <laughs> but I mean, we fought yeah. for some stuff that, yeah. and and now the younger, you know, when we look at Gen Z, not only are they not afraid to, and again, painting a broad brush, right? But mm-hmm. and it, what we know is demographically, more more younger people aren't afraid to speak up. And they're also not afraid to say, I don't want to I don't want to do this. And I think we're in this really interesting, and we probably always are in this tension point, yeah. right? And and I think it's going to be really interesting over the next, even just five years, as more of the workforce demographic shifts, mm-hmm. um, what what will be possible? And boy, I'm, I'm here for it. I... Um, I just, you know, work hasn't worked for folks for a, mm-hmm. a long time, but but it can. I mean, I think yeah. that's the thing for me, right? Like, and you've experienced it where when you can work for a leader who cares for you, when you can work in a system that values you as a human, it can give you this deep sense of of meaningfulness. It can make you, even if you're not passionate about what you're doing, it can make you feel good about what you're doing and contributing, right? Like, even if it's not like my life's purpose, you know, mm-hmm. but I can feel really good about my contribution. Right. There's so much value to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, you know, it's an exciting time. It really is. Yeah. Um, and I'm not close to retirement yet, but, um, you know, I, I think I'm going to be around for maybe another 10 years. And uh, I'm really excited for yeah. what the future holds. And I want to I want to see how this all uh, plays out. And I want to be a part of it. I want I, I want to AI. I think I'm very excited about it. I use I use at least three or four different AI tools right now. Um, in playing around for what I'm trying to do. Um, I've got a couple of my guys trying it out and playing around. I want to know how they're using it. And, um, you know, even if, it, if they're using it to respond to me in emails, I yeah. think that's okay. Let me know because <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool. You know, you can, you, you know, I want to, I want to see how people are, you know, how they're adapting. Right. Yeah. And, and how can we take and adapt it to our business? Yeah. Now, now granted, AI is not going to be able to fill everything. You know, I don't think we're getting onto the Cyberdyne era, uh, era. Cyberdyne is from Terminator. For <laughs> oh, yeah. Age. No, very, very yeah. familiar. That is one yeah. of the number one fears in our house. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't I don't think we're, I don't think we're going to get to that phase yet. But um, <laughs> yeah. I, I do think, you know, as as a virtual assistant. Yeah. Right. And what you're trying to do, it can help make you more efficient. Yeah. Right. I mean, and putting together presentations and putting together proposals and putting together any number of things, even the business plan, right? Having it help you out. If you give it the right prompts and you right. give it the right base information, it can help fill in a lot of gaps that you may or may not struggle with. Right. And and, and what I found is that it can help. It can either help give you a really good sort of first dra- draft, if you mm-hmm. will, a first yeah. thought to push against mm-hmm. or, you know, in... Um, components that are don't require I don't want to say like not deep thinking but you know like in our world right coming up with titles for workshops and descriptions mm-hmm. for workshops and you know you just recently I was plugging in like what are the top 10 questions you would ask in this kind of situation and mm-hmm. you know did I agree with all of them no but some of them I was like damn that's a good question or it, <laughs> or it prompts me to go oh right I had forgotten about that yeah. and now yeah. I now actually I'm going to build on it and it's this really nice you know, like it's doing some of the the legwork of the thinking that may not be as critical so mm-hmm. that we can get in and do the critical work. And yes. I, I do think it's an exciting time. And and it will be interesting to see how that, again, pushes what what work looks like and what, what then leadership is going to look like. Right. Well, and here's the thing. So 
AI can help you like fill in some gaps and, and gather some material for you, but it's never going to replace the heart, right? Yeah. It's never going to replace the emotion that goes into whatever it is that you're trying to build. And uh, I don't care if you're, if you're building a diode, if you're building a car, um, or if you're building a business plan, right? There's emotion that goes into that. And AI is never going to replace that. And, and once you start having those relationships with the people that are doing that mm. building, right, you start to understand the emotional reactions that they're having when things are successful, when things don't go right, uh, when there are gaps or when they feel like they're having a bad day, right? When you start to understand all of that and you've built that relationship with them, you can help them get through certain things or you can help them become even more successful. AI is never going to be ever yeah. going to be able to replace that. So. I appreciate that. And Bob, I just have really appreciated this conversation. And I love being I love being in conversation with you. And we need to make sure that it's not just once a year. But if it is just once a year, then we'll do it. We should do a check in in a year and be like, where where are we at? Okay, as we wind down our time, there's a question we ask all of our guests, and I would love to hear your answer. And and in, in the spirit of this being a show about conversations, exploring topics, what was a conversation you had with yourself or with someone else that was transformative? Oh, wow. Um, that's a, that's a question that I have to think about for a second. Um, I think it was a conversation that I had with myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, the, the very first time that, uh, that I got let go, um, that, that was, it, it was a blow. Uh, not only was it a blow financially, obviously, yeah. um, but it, it was, it was a blow to my ego and it was a blow to my self-worth. Mm. Right. And, and, um, I really had to sit down and think about why did this happen? Right. And I, we talked about it a little bit earlier. It happened because I was doing things that were sort of counter to what, what the, uh, the CTO wanted, um, you know, it wasn't her way kind of thing. And I really had to understand how can I navigate that in the future? Mm. Right. How can I present myself in a way? How can I still live my values? How can I still live the way that I want to be culturally and, and, and have these relationships and build those empathetic muscles up, right? Build those relational muscles up and, and still not go counter to someone who may not be that way. Um, so that, that was, that was kind of where that was. And that took a lot of introspect, introspective, you know, is that the right word? I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and it helped me grow quite a bit. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and to be honest, I sort of have conversations like that every day when I'm journaling, right. Part of, part of the way that I journal, um, at, at night is I always have three things that I'm grateful for mm -hmm. that happened that day. And then I always list out three things that I want to change about the way I reacted or what mm -hmm. I did that day as well, too. So that allows me the that allows me the opportunity to say, okay, where am I slipping up? Or yeah. how do I feel like I'm slipping up? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. someone else may not think I'm slipping right, up in that right. way, but somehow for some reason I think I am. Uh, so that kind of helps me out that way. And, beautiful. And, and I think trans I, I think when we talk about being transformative or going through transformation, it's not a one-time thing, mm -mm. right? It, it, I, I think if you think of it as a daily sort of growth opportunity, um, that allows you to be more open to the possibilities, right? Mm -hmm. Every, I, I really do think every day I'm growing in, mm -hmm. in some way, shape, or form. 
Um, I'm, I'm growing. Am, am I getting better? Maybe. Right. But I, I certainly I'm learning new things every day. And I think as long as you can get through that and you can have that ap- attitude, I, I think you're going to be successful. Right. Um, at least internally. Yeah. Right. It may not transfer to success within the organization because maybe the organization's not ready for someone like that. Yeah. Right. Or they might see you as as a threat. Right. Because that's going to happen. It really is. Um, you know, when, when you try to be open like that, when you try to be transformative like that, you know, it can be threatening to other senior leaders within the organization, especially those that are command and control. Mm-hmm. Right. So but but you have to be willing to accept that. And you have to be willing to take the consequences of that and, and either move on or keep pushing along because maybe you'll help change them as well, too. Yeah. Beautiful. If people want to connect with you, and I recommend they do because you are all about connections. And if, if you connect with if you connect with Bob on LinkedIn, you'll see that he's a great cheerleader and a great connector. But what is the best way for people to connect with you who may want to after they hear this? Uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn right away. I yeah. mean, that's that's the best way to do it. Although I got to say the last two weeks, because we were moving from an old facility into this new facility, I have not been on LinkedIn except really quick to check it. I have not been posting. I've not, I've been disengaged for the last two weeks. And that, that was on purpose because um, I like to have, I set time aside for LinkedIn every day. And if I can't focus on that, then I, I'm not giving value to others and I'm not mm. giving value to myself right? In, mm-hmm. in the platform, in the community. So um, Monday, I'll be back on. Awesome. So reach out to me to LinkedIn. I'm, I'm very happy to connect with you and support anyone who needs help or, you know, whatever. I mean, it's, I'm there. Awesome. We will put that in the show notes. Thank you so much awesome. for being a part of the show today. We Thank appreciate you. Thank you for having you. me, Sarah. This was, this was awesome. I always love having conversations with you. So you got to be on coffee with Bob next. Yeah. Just let me know. Uh, the relaunch. You'll you'll be my first <laughs> guest again. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Bob. Thank you. Our guest this week has been Bob Seeger. And one of the things that I'm holding on to, I mean, in addition to just the journaling, that's something that I've never been able to really like get my brain to do, was that point that he made about you you won't be able to have a deep con- relationship with 150 people or however many people are in your company but you at least need to make the effort to make a connection and listen to them and hear their challenges and see their processes so that you can serve them better. I, I think that idea of like just making a connection was really powerful. And we'd love to hear from you. What resonated? What connections did you make? You can always send us an, an email at podcast at com, or you can find me on social media where my DMs are always open. I highly recommend going over to LinkedIn. That seems to be my preferred platform these days. And And if you'd like to support the show, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your preferred podcast platform that gives us exposure and lets us bring on great guests like Bob. Um, You can also become a patron and financially support the show by going to patreon.com slash conversations on conversations, where not only you'll get some great swag, but you'll also support the show. And speaking of the show, I want to just give a big shout out to the incredible team that makes this possible. To our producer, Nick Wilson, to our sound editor, Drew Knoll, to our transcriptionist, Becky Reinert, to our marketing consultant, Jessica Burge, and the rest of the Snowco crew. I'm so grateful for you all always. And a final thank you to our guest, Bob Seeger, for sharing his incredible leadership insights and wisdom. This has been 
conversations on conversations. Thank you all so much for listening. And remember, when we can change the conversations we have with ourselves or others, we can change the world. So until next week, my friends, be sure to rest, rehydrate, and we'll see you again soon.